0: What's up, everybody? I am Ryan McNichols, host of Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Rich Houck, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. What's up everybody? We are back. It's been a little bit and we are here to recap some news and as we promised last time we're gonna look at the fall-off age for running backs. It is hot today, so we'll see how long this podcast goes. How you doing today, Rich? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about you, Mike? How you doing over there?
1: Not too bad. Not too bad. We're surviving the heat wave. It's a, it's a hot one out there. Making it through. Yeah. Making it through.
0: Got my Gatorade here. Yep. What's your favorite color of Gatorade, Rich? Yellow. That's yellow.
1: That's okay. Yellow's all right. I'm more of an orange or blue. I mean, I think red is the worst, honestly. Right? Fruit punch. one now. Wow. Yeah, red. This red's it's gotta be the worst. Red's gotta be the worst. <laughs> it's like heavy. I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's too. I. You taste the sugar in it too much. I feel like. Do the red. I do the blue.
0: The orange. I used to do the yellow. I just lost for the, like I don't know. I just, it tastes different than it used to. To me, and I, I don't care for it anymore. Mm. I don't like the yellow Gatorades no yep. more. So. So, uh, we're going to start off just recapping some news that's happened since the last time that we've recorded, just to uh, discuss any fantasy relevance to it, and then we are going to move on to our RB discussion for yeah. today. So, July 23rd, it's a Saturday, it's hot, let's get into it. So, first, uh, or the most recent thing that's happened, Kyler Murray signed a five-year extension with the Arizona Cardinals, he's got a $230.5 million Deal that is .5 million more than Deshaun Watson, so he is now the highest-paid contract as far as that goes. A total contract or by year? Total contract okay. and by years. And? .5 more than Deshaun Watson, and then his average per year is 46.1 million, and that, I believe, is 2 million more than the uh, next highest, which I think is it's either Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. I'm not sure. I can't remember off the top of my head. I may be wrong about both those guys, actually. But he's got 160 million guarantees, so it's nowhere near the guarantees that Deshaun Watson got. But Deshaun Watson had a lot of leverage for some reason in his trade with the Browns. Uh, does that have any fantasy relevance? Does this add clarity to the Cardinals? Were you nervous about any of the Cardinals players before this with some of what was going on there? Or is this kind of like you just kind of expected the resolution? Expected. was
2: expected. And, okay. you know, they are posturing for, he wanted the best deal possible, and Cardinals didn't want to, you know. But eventually they did. They they knew they had to, and it was expected outcome.
0: So no boosting anybody who you had like you didn't had anybody lower price. Okay. So all right. So we'll just move on from that. Then uh, the next thing that does have some fantasy relevance was Baker Mayfield was traded to the Carolina Panthers. So Baker Mayfield lost three point four million or agreed to a three point four million pay cut in the deal. That he can earn back in incentives. The Panthers taking on uh, the contract for five million dollars, and they had to give up a conditional fifth-round pick. And the Browns are eating ten point five million dollars of Baker Mayfield's contract. So, does this boost the? So let's start with this. The Panthers are saying that it's still a, it's an open competition between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. Do you believe that? Do the I mean, they can say it, but no, nah, Baker's going to beat them out, right? Well, well, yeah, why do you make this trade if Sam, if you're good with Sam as the starter? It doesn't
2: make sense. They're double-talking.
0: So, especially because you had Sam on the fifth-year option, too, and he's, you know, essentially a, what Baker Mayfield is getting. I think it's a little bit more, like $18 million or something a year or whatever. But, yeah, so you make the trade for Baker Mayfield, and it's like I think if you were go with Sam Darnold as your starter, you don't do that. And so that seems to be the thought is that this is going to end up being Baker Mayfield's job, despite the fact that, you know, Sam Darnold they already went through training camps, so Sam Darnold obviously has the reps from last year plus the reps this year in training camp and all that. But, it, it, again, it just seems that if you make that trade for Mayfield that he, he's probably going to be the starter. Otherwise, why would you trade for him? I mean, he – I don't know. There's differing opinions. There's the viewpoint where – Maybe for like the teammate's sake, he would have to really outperform Sam in order for you to be comfortable starting him over him to say that like he's you know his better play is more than the connection that Sam already has with the guys. There's also the opposite end of that again, where like we said, where it's like why you know why why trade for him at all then if you if you if, you've, if you're good with uh, Sam
2: Darnold starting at the quarterback spot. So I mean, they saw what Sam Darnold was last year. They know. There's nothing against him, but he's not the greatest quarterback. I mean, you don't—you don't, you don't bring, like you said—you don't bring in Baker Mayfield. It, nah, they, they brought him in because they're going to play him. They can say all they want—it's a competition—but they're so them themselves are expecting Baker to win the job.
1: Could you imagine if he didn't? Wow. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying.
0: I, I would think it would have to be the—I would think Baker Mayfield would have to really underperform to lose the job. That's kind of the spectrum sure. I would come in. Right. It's Like you make yeah. the trade for him. And it's like you don't—you know. Again, like you said, I think they saw what they needed to see from Sam Darnold mm-hmm. last year, and I just, you know, I don't, th- again, I think they weren't buying a lot of the, the like you said, the slander that was being put out uh, on Baker Mayfield by the media and all out there, and, again, a lot of that just seemed media generated and not really, nothing year. that was really enforced anywhere, you know what I mean? All the rumors of immaturity mm-hmm. and all that was never reinforced by any player on the team anywhere. It all just was, like, leaked through media members. What about and Robbie Anderson. There. <laughs> Robbie Anderson just said he didn't want to play but they had never played together before and yep. Robbie Anderson is a fool because Robbie Anderson's best year in 2020 came when he wasn't playing with Sam Darnold and all every other year he's played with Sam Darnold he's <laughs> had a horrible year so Robbie Anderson's a fool but uh, Baker Mayfield is their quarterback now so does this, have, does this help the Carolina Panthers, any of the other skill players. Obviously, if Christian McCaffrey is healthy. He's still going to be Christian McCaffrey. I don't know how much of a boost this will give to him, but
2: I mean, the DJ, whole offense probably has to get a boost, right? I mean, Baker Mayfield—he's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. Like, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I, I'm like—he's head and shoulders of a better quarterback than than Sam Duncan. Yeah, I would, I would, I, I would hope like, so. I, I don't think he's, he's going to go out there and throw 40 touchdowns or anything like yeah. that. But I expect the Panthers' offense to be a lot better. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, like you said, I, again, it's not a matter of him even throwing 40 touchdowns. I think it's just a matter of, right. a matter of more consistent right. play. You yeah, know what been, I mean? I mean a little
1: that, more, the like, Panthers can be surprisingly good if uh, CMC comes back and his, his old self, you know, get a game manager like Baker in there, uh, you know, if you want to call him that, and, you know, give feed the ball to Christian McCafferty and, you know, go from there, I guess. I don't know. So what
0: about the pass catchers? How, how, how do we feel about DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, the top three wide receivers on that team? Are we
2: how it's much a of a – bump it? for DJ Moore the other guys, I, I don't know. I'm not worried about them too much. I don't know about you guys. Yeah.
0: Which guy – I guess which guy would you assume is the number two? This season? Is it still going to be Robbie Moore or is it going to be Terrace Marshall? Uh, I got –
2: Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson. I mean, I mean, Terrence Marshall didn't show very much last year.
0: Yeah. I just didn't know, you know, if Rob, well, Robbie Anderson didn't show much last year either. Well, he's the, the he had like 110 so, targets, and he still didn't end up producing much. So that's one of the reason I was asking, especially if Baker's a starter. For a guy who, you know, came out before and said that he didn't want Baker there, I was just wondering if it – mattered at all, or if you're just like, eh, you know, or is it just one of those things where it's like, until I see that the Panthers can sustain a second wide pass catcher?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure they can sustain numbers, so you know, McCaffrey's going to eat up a ton of targets, DJ Moore's going to get his, and then it's, it's really just a question mark on where the other are going to go, it's like, throwing a dart each week on which one's going to get it, and are you confident on picking the right one? Right. So, yeah, I think we view that situation kind of
0: the same there, so... Couple other quick notes then. We had. Uh, there was a little bit of news with J.K. Dobbins where, you know, he came out and was basically pushing back against a report. He had said that. Uh, you know, Basically, the report was that from Ian Rapoport that he wasn't going to be ready for week one. And J.K. Dobbins came out and pushed back against that and said, not only is he going to be ready for week one, he might not even go on the pup list for training camp. We now know he's, in fact, on the pup list for training camp. <laughs> Him and Gus Edwards are both on the pup list to start training camp. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, just what are, what are we thinking about this? Is this Dobbins just obviously he, the pup thing? Was he that was a maybe? But he said he's definitely be ready for Week One with the way his rehab is going. And are we are we buying this? Or are we buying the report that we heard from the Ravens earlier in the off season that was then followed up by Ian Rappaport <laughs> now stating that it looks like he may be iffy for Week One. What? what so is I'm this the- is this important?
2: I'm, I'm going to trust the credible source lately. Like J.K. Dobbins was just proven wrong
1: <laughs> on his own reporting on himself. So I want to trust the other guy, so I'm going to go with the other ones. Yeah. I'm, I'm concerned. I think it's uh, a case of a guy just being a little bit like fed up with being hurt and being yeah, he's and frustrated. Now. He's frustrated. But, yeah, no, I mean, it is pretty funny. He's like, I might not even go on the pump route for a day or two later. Preseason, list. yeah, list. <laughs> but, I I mean, hopefully he's, he's ready to come back. You know, I, I, I can't see the... I mean, it, you know, mentally, it seems like he's ready to come back. So maybe the only thing that's really holding him back right now is the Ravens being safe with him. Yeah, just but, be the doctors. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll it's one of those things where we thought Definitely he, a funny thing, though. it's
0: the possibility he could be back for week one. They could activate him off the pup list, but then choose to sit him for a week or two and yeah. not keep him on the pup list. So he's not necessarily. I don't know that I, I don't think I've been projecting him to start on the pup list receipts. Like, I'm not projecting him to miss the six games required for a pup list. Like, again, I th- thought it was more they might hold him out for the first week or two yeah. and then maybe ease him back in or see where he is in week three. That's kind of where I was expecting Dobbins to show up. So, again, just something that was interesting in this downtime to talk about. Another thing, uh, there's a beat reporter Seattle that uh, mentioned that. He envisioned Rashad Penny being the primary back for Seattle and he could get 20 plus carries a game or 20 carries a game. So, it's a lot of work. <laughs>
1: Run them into the ground. So
0: let's let's, let's just start with the obvious part that we'll just call out right away. 20 carries a game. I think over the past three years I can count on one hand the number of guys who've gotten 20-plus carries a game. And it's Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, and maybe like Leonard Fournette back in one year with the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017. Like I, I just was Najee even
1: getting that much work last
0: year? I don't think Najee even I'm got sure. 20 carries yeah. a game. Jonathan Taylor might have got 20 carries a game year. last year, <laughs> might have been close, but so that's what I mean. It's just it, running backs just don't get 20 carries a game. They might get 20 touches between rushing right. and receiving, which is what I think you need to be looking for. So that's the obvious part that's not true. But let's look at the other part of it, where his assertion essentially is that Rashad Penny is going to be the lead back for the Seattle Seahawks. Do you feel similarly about that? Do, how do we feel about Kenneth Walker? What's your opinion of this backfield at the moment?
2: I think it's Penny's job to lose for right now. All reports are that uh, Walker still has to work on his pass protection, and Pete Carroll's a stubborn old man. And I expect, you know, Kenneth Walker maybe, you know, week 12, week 13, he starts getting a little more, more work. Unless Penny gets hurt before that point, then obviously he's going to get thrust into the job. But I, I don't think Penny's going to give that job up without a fight, and Pete's not going to want to give it. They, they've kept Penny around for how many years at this point without him being healthy, and then they just gave him the, the contract for this year.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think they're going to they're going to use him.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, if he's healthy now, you got to use him now. For sure. Get, why would you hold on to him all those years, you know? Okay, so it's a matter of, it's a matter of,
0: it's just a matter of Penny stays healthy. Essentially, is is how long he's going to hold on to the job, and Kenneth Walker maybe take over in, not even like the second half, but the later third of the season. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, second later third. Okay, alrighty. So and then one piece that may or may not be fantasy relevant, Nikhil Harry to the Chicago Bears. Does this matter?
2: For who? <laughs> Kill Harry or the Bears? <laughs> for fantasy players. No. no. No.
0: Okay. Glad, glad we got that out of the way. Let us know how you really feel, Rich. Don't don't hold back at all. So.
1: Rich is a Kobe Myers fan. So Jonathan
2: Taylor averaged 19.5 carries. This year.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rashad. Yeah. So uh-huh. point taken. Rashad Penny's on average of more carries this year than Jonathan Taylor did last year.
2: Yeah. I'll give you
1: be Najee <laughs> Harris
2: in one second. It's not more than Jonathan Taylor. 18.05 for Najee Harris. Okay. So, Penny, it's unlikely that he gets yeah. 20 a game. Maybe yeah. he's in the high teens, which is yeah. nice. Yeah, be, nice. yeah. Okay,
0: and then just a few other guys who ended up on the pup list that may or may not have fantasy relevance. Michael Thomas for the New Orleans Saints. We kind of suspected that. He missed all of last year and most of the year before that with injury, my bit. And, uh, yeah, so, I again, I've just not been high on Michael Thomas making a comeback return at this point with having missed football for, you know, essentially a year and a half at this point. He's still... He's still recovering. He's on the pup list. So I mean, I don't. I just I don't know what's going on with there. Where like this injury has lasted for as long as it has. It, it seems like there might be other things going on there. I'm I'm just I'm not in on him. I'd be
1: more in on Chris Olave. So yeah, it's concerning for sure. If you're if you have Michael Thomas, it's like oh, what man. about Jarvis Landry. It's a nightmare that never ends, dude. Uh, we'll see about Jarvis Landry again. I his age is I think he's
0: catching up to him. I think he might finish. He, he, He's never been a huge pop-off guy. He's kind of been a consistent 12- to 14-point guy per game, and, like, maybe he keeps that up with Jameis Winston as the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, but I don't know how much the New Orleans Saints... I I don't know if necessarily throwing the ball a ton with Jameis Winston and Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry as your top options are the best way for that team to win. I think they'd be better built for... They're more built for, like, a run-heavy approach. But if Alvin Kamara misses any time due to his off-field issues, any suspension, then it's going to be hard to have yeah. a run-heavy approach. And even with him there, they don't. Last year, they actually did shift from him being primarily a pass catcher to more of a rusher. So his you know receiving went down, mm-hmm. his rushing went up, but. Uh... Yeah, I just I, I don't know how much value week to week Jarvis Landry will have. It remains to be seen. Hang cool. on to him in Dynasty League. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a hole at this, yeah, at yeah, this the point. Yeah, league. he's redraft league. He's late fly. You know, yeah. he's a bench stash. Yeah, I don't want
1: him in my redraft league particularly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, other guys on the list? David Bell, rookie wide receiver for the uh, Cleveland Browns. I was mixing him and somebody else up in my head for a second there. James White, running back for the New England Patriots. C.J. Uzama, tight end. He is now on the Jets. Christian Watson... Daniel Bellinger and your guy, Rich Dylan Stoner, all on the pup list at this Stoner moment makes time. The pup list? Stoner
2: is on the pup That's list. That's not good. Dylan yeah. Stoner. It's all right. So, Cold spot on my team.
0: Let's move on to our main topic of the day, and that is the fall off age for fantasy running backs. So, again, this is not NFL production. This is fantasy production. That is what we're concerned with. So, we're going to do the same thing that we did last time where we looked at the wide receivers. So, we are looking at running backs who were 27 or older by the end of the season who finished on a per-game basis as a top 50 overall running back and also finished inside the top 50 as on a total points basis. So the primary ranking is the per-game, and then they had to have made the top 50 on a total games basis. That's how we sort out guys who, you know, played one game or something and went off and had, you know, 30 points, so they'd have 30 points per game, but they played one game and then got hurt, or they were a fill-in for somebody and played two or three games and then were done, so... That's how we sort all of that out. We might come up with a better system sometime in the future, but that's how we're going to do it for now. So we're going to learn from what we did last week, and we're going to work forward. So we're going to start in 2017 and move towards 2021, oh, looking idea. at some players as they progressed, as opposed to what we did last year or last time where we worked backwards and then we're, we're trying learning. to compare things. Yeah,
1: We're improving the process. We're improving the process. That's what, that's what this year one is all about. <laughs>
0: So, let's go back to 2017. And 2017 looks like it was probably one of the best years uh, for older running backs. So, at the top there, we have Mark Ingram and LaShawn McCoy, both finishing inside the top 10 on a per-game basis and a total points basis. Mark Ingram had 17.9 points per game, and LaShawn McCoy had 17.2 points per game. So, that's two right there, Rich. Okay. Unfortunately... As far as top 10 running backs go who were 27 or over, that is the last one until we get to 2021 with Derrick Henry, who was wide receiver one on a per-game basis and 17 on a total points basis because obviously he missed some time. He had 24.2 points per game. And so those three running backs are the only running backs who finished the season 27 or older who finished as a top 10 running back on a per-game basis so any thoughts right there about that any,
2: any? that's pretty uh, that's pretty damning evidence there that's, that's, yeah, that gives you a lot of concern for those, those guys reaching that age And
0: I was just surprised at the huge gap in time between, you know, when the last few guys were. And it's something we've talked about with some of your other research that we'll bring up in a little bit. But it's just, it's the way the NFL is changing. And they're moving away from investing a lot of money in a second contract to a running back and definitely not doing a third contract to the running back because. It just tends to not work out financially. They get banged up at one point, like when you need them in a critical situation, and then you don't have the money to go spend on someone else to, like, replace them. And so teams have been giving running backs maybe a second contract, but a lot of times it seems like the, the NFL has been moving towards, like, we'll just turn them – or some teams, anyway, are like, we'll just turn and burn. The Steelers seem like a team that's like, we'll get the draft these running backs, get have them for four, f- four or five years – Run them into the ground and then just let them go. And bring in the next guy who's going to do the same thing. And you know the Colts with Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if they're necessarily running him into the ground. I mean they're running him a lot, but I don't know if it's the same mentality. We'll run him into the ground and then just run him out of here. We'll see where that goes. But it's just the shifting mentality in NFL where we see less, you know, run, like we were talking about earlier, less running backs getting twenty plus carry per games and a little bit more of a split. I think and there wasn't there wasn't one last year at twenty a game. Not a single running back. Per, uh, not even Derrick Henry. Actually, I, yeah, and Luke Henry actually. Derrick Henry was he pro- missed time? Yeah, he. I would assume he had 20 rushing attempts per game. But so, in addition to that, let's take a look at that then. So let's look at where how like Mark Ingram and LaShawn McCoy kind of progressed over the next couple seasons while you're trying to find that. So, again, in 2017, Mark Ingram seven on a per game basis. Leshawn McCoy uh, ninth on a per game basis. Following the year in 2018, Leshawn McCoy comes in at running back. 47 on a per-game basis and 40 total overall. Mark Ingram running back 26 on a per-game basis and
2: 34 overall. So, quite a huge drop-off for those two guys. I got the Derrick Henry number, and it, it's large. 27.37 27. carries per game. Okay, so
0: yeah, way over 20 carries a game, <laughs> but he's the only one. So, again, just kind of a, the exception to the rule. Yeah, but... I th- again, so as I said, there's a huge drop off there for Mark Ingram and LaShawn McCoy going in 2017. Mark Ingram does bounce back in 2019. He finishes as RB11 on a per game basis and actually 9 overall. He's used as a, and kind of, you know, a more as the pass catching running back in Baltimore that year as well as the goal line. He, he basically got all the valuable touches. He got all the passing work and he got all the goal line work, and they didn't use him at all like in between the tackles, essentially, is what they did with Mark Ingram that year. So. He bounced back that year. LaShawn McCoy stayed kind of uh, stayed further down that year. You know, 39 on a total points basis and 46 on a per game basis. And then they do not finish in the top 50 in 2020 either one of them or in 2021. So they again they had a few years of fantasy relevance there between 2017 and 2019 when they were older. Again, in 2017, Mark Ingram was 27, and LeSean McCoy was 29. So uh, they had a few productive years a little bit before that as well, Uh, LeSean McCoy did, so when he was over. But again, this is... Again, what we're talking about is the progression, where back from like 2007 to 2016, we had running backs that were older, that were still getting those carries, and weren't getting as hurt, or maybe probably were getting as hurt, but things weren't getting reported as much back then, because things have changed in the NFL as far as reporting all of that stuff goes. So... It's just an example. It's just again when you look at that and you see the drop off for guys who were both inside the top 10 in 2017 to not being inside the top 50, you know, two, three years later. That's just the kind of thing you have to look at. Uh, 2017, we also had you know guys like Chris Thompson, Carlos Hyde, and Rex Burkhead all finish inside of the uh, 11 to 20 range as far as RBs are concerned, the per game basis. Chris Thompson was RB 11, Carlos Hyde RB 13, and Rex Burkhead RB 17. Again, this is one of those things where those guys are just kind of like. Aberrations, you know that it, this is this hap- well. Chris Thompson was always kind of a pass catching running back, and always kind of an RB2 flex play running back. The other guy's is kind of in the same vein, but that's what we mean. Like the top 10 years, top 20 years are kind of random for them, and they might have one when they're 29 or 30s because of their pass catching role. But it's I, I can't bank on that for a consistent period of time, and I can't I don't even imagine them being starting running backs and. If you look at next year, we don't see any of those guys on the list again. So that tells you all you need to know about that. And then let's just look at... uh Overall, we'll just we'll just move. We're not gonna go through every year and every guy like we did last time. We'll again just highlighting some of the guys. Uh, Rex Burkhead does make appearance again in 2020 when he was with the New England Patriots because that's just you know what the Patriots do. They make random running backs relevant, but he was getting 10.8 points per game and he came in you know as RB 34. So, uh, overall, from 2017 to 21 running backs who were 27 at the end of the year, so they're age 27 year uh, we had a grand total of 3 players finished there, we talked about that, Mark Ingram, Sean McCoy, Derek Henry 11 to 20 we had 10 running backs, so that's 2 per year, 21 to 30 we had 13 running backs 2.6 per year 30, ranking 31 to 40 on a per game basis, we had 9 and from 41 to 50 we had 13 So in total, Rich, we're looking at about 10 running backs per year finished inside the top 50 who are 27 or older uh, who can finish inside the 50 on both a per-game and total points basis. So those are kind of the numbers we're really looking at there. Before we do our one exercise, I did just want to uh, bring up some of the thi- or some of the running backs you had talked about just to take a look at, again, what we were talking about with the shift kind of the running back dynamic there. Some of the older running backs that were successful and just, again, how their career progressed to kind of put things into perspective because we think about guys like Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore who we know were still playing late in their career and had some fantasy-relevant games here and there, but just to get a better understanding of how they were actually performing at their time so we're not kind of overestimating what was happening so we had Adrian Peterson who in 2012 was entering his uh, 28-27 age season he finished as RB1 on the season overall or on a per game basis and overall on a total points basis next year 2013 he's down to RB11 on a per game basis and 7 on a total points basis 2014 he suffered injuries serious injuries with the Minnesota Vikings he only played in one game that year, so we're going to ignore that year. He comes back the following year in 2015, so this is his age 30 season, and he actually finishes as RB7 on a per-game basis and RB2 on a total points-per-game basis. After that, it's not good. So, again, he had that amazing comeback year at age 30 that we like to think about. But then after that, his per-game finishes, RB90, RB50, RB24, RB37, RB49, and RB65. That's an RB2 finish at 33. At thirty three. crazy. Th- yeah, that's
2: yeah, how awesome. good he that's,
0: was. That's how good he was. Man. That's an RB3 finish, 24. 24? Yes. Yeah, two. One to men's? ten and eleven
2: uh, to twenty. Man, I'm counting
0: twelve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're doing twelve, 12 teams. Okay, so in twelve team leagues, that's an RB two finish. Okay, yeah, at age thirty three. And again, that was Adrian Peterson. You know, good he is yeah, and that was how good he is. And that was again also older school guys. Generational <laughs> talent, you know. So let's look at uh, you know, some other guys. Marshawn Lynch, 2012, RB five on a per game basis. He's that was his twenty six age season. Next season, 2013, RB seven. 2014, RB5 on a per-game basis. That's his 28-age season. 2015, he was RB28 on a per-game basis. That was his age 29 season. He then retired for a year. Then he unretired and came back in 2017 with the Oakland Raiders and finished as RB29. Then in his second year with the Raiders in 2018, he had an RB20 finish at age 32. So, again... Some fantasy relevance. He's useful, he's dependable, but this was also from... Again, what we're talking about the old, older school. It's not even that old of a school of thought, but this is more of like the older running backs that, yeah. like, we're not seeing this happen in the NFL anymore. We're not seeing guys get used this late into their career this often as much anymore. So
2: yeah, they're reluctant to give those those second and third contracts. And the the numbers I got after this whole thing will kind of reinforce that and bring it all home.
0: Right. And again, if I mean, it's one of those things too where you have to imagine when when you're signing Marshawn Lynch to his second contract. Just think about how, like, some or you know, a third contract at that point, because I think he would have been getting his third contract later on, uh, at some at the later point of that career. But like, you know, if you're getting you know, RB twenty eight finish and RB twenty nine finish, RB like you're paying him to be a top five RB in the league, and, and getting... he's just not returning. So it's not a matter of them even not being productive from an NFL standpoint. It's not returning the contract that they're being signed to, which is why the NFL has moved away from yeah, doing The poor return on investment. Same thing with Adrian Peterson, where, like, I'm sure when the Vikings signed him that deal, they were like, all right, cool, we got the number one RB in the league, you know, when he was 27. And then he does, you know, next year's a little bit of a drop-off, not much. And then he all of a sudden drops off in 2014, and he's RB25. And again, this is fantasy standpoint, but it's also related to his on-field production. And then in 2013, or 2015, or 14, I'm sorry, he gets hurt. And he, you know, he's... He's he plays uh, what's it called one game and that's all you get from him and then he comes back has a bounce back year and then he's injured again and you can't count on him he he doesn't look like himself and so it's just a matter that I think that's why the NFL shifted away from it so that was my opinion on that what what are the numbers
2: that you found or what did you want to I found this study um, done by Northwestern University Sports Analytics and it analyzed the decade from 2007 to 2016 like perfectly it lined up with Right before the set that you put together, your data set, and it was pretty interesting. So the most productive year for a running back by age was age 26. All right, and then second was 25, third 23, four, fourth was 24, fifth was 28. So the top five is kind of in that little that little bit of a window, and 29 is where you start to see that little bit of a of a fall down. Is a, is eighth, All right? So um over that decade um players that finished the, the their age 29 season there was only 11 players to finish a top 20 season over that decade players in their age 30 season there was only eight players to finish top 20 when you broke that down to an average to age 29 season it was 1.1 per season and an age 30 season it was 0.8 so just kind of round home what you're saying and what you were kind of reinforcing at that, that age thing and how the NFL is kind of transitioning away from that style of a game. All right? So from this decade, you saw guys start to fall off at 28, 29. And then in 2017 through 2021, you start to see guys start falling off at 27. And I think that just reinforces the point they don't want to pay that contract, right? They're, they're gonna Guys are gonna move on. They get in different situations. They can't be as productive as they were.
0: So they're just uh, they're maybe signing them to a second contract, but they're not jumping over themselves to All sign right. them to a second contract like they yeah. used to. And it's probably like a. Three or four year contract as opposed to maybe signing a five year contract, like because we're seeing that not work out with teams like the Cowboys and what they mm-hmm. did with the sequel Elliott, where they right. signed into, I think, like a five year deal and ha- he has all this guaranteed it money. Him and like, through
2: age 31,
0: Yeah, and we're looking at, and there's a lot of people looking at it, it's like, if, if he didn't have the guaranteed money he had this season, they probably would have cut him or yeah. traded him. So, so. I, got,
2: I got three examples um, from 2015, both in the same year. Uh, Jamal Charles, he was preseason RB4. This was his age 29 season. Same for Marshawn Lynch, who we talked about. He was preseason RB5, age 29 season. They both finished outside the top 40. 2017, DeMarco Murray was a preseason RB8 in his age 29 season. He finished outside the top 20. Yeah. So, and then you combine that in, in, 2017, you went through all your guys, and, and I think we're finding a trend here. I think we're starting to identify a trend that we can, you know, use to extract value to enhance our process
1: right what like so um i think maybe you guys are probably going to get into the how like this like affects um what like, your strategy now as far as dynasty goes um is did you guys have anybody like in particular that you're like thinking about like that is like you're you're worried about falling off this year or, so or, or there's, is, he, there's 10 guys way? approaching he, this
2: this age This season. Mm -hmm.
0: So, yeah, this is part of the concept we were going to talk about, you know, the the little exercise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, like we talked about before, there's about 10 guys that will finish inside the top 50 as far as running backs who are 27 or older. And and here are the guys this year they're going into. And this, I think, will lead to some interesting discussion because... by, I order these guys alphabetically based off last name, so in no particular order. Here are guys that were top fantasy players or you know, have been top fantasy RBs that are going to be 27 or older by the end of the season. So we've got James Conner, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Derek Henry, Kareem Hunt, Aaron Jones, and Alvin Kamara. Now, Malvin Gordon's already 29, and Derek Henry's already 28. All the other guys have turned 27 during the course of the offseason or will be 27 by the end of the season. Yeah, so they're all 27 as it currently stands. So <clears throat> here's the problem. A lot of those guys were the top five or ten running backs last year or yeah. close to it.
2: Could, we, could it possibly be a year like 2017 where you had a couple guys up there?
0: it's possible. So that's what we're going to talk about. So based off of our numbers, we've got half of a half of a running back that's 27 or older finishing inside the top 10. So let's just call that one. We've got two guys that'll finish 11 to 20. Two and a half guys that'll finish 21 to 30, one and a half guys 31 to 40. So we'll call that, you know, four guys there between the 21 to 40 range and then another two and a half guys finishing 41 to 50. And so we wanted. To, I wanted to do the exercise we kind of did last week, where we we're like, "Well, if we look at these running backs, who do we think is going to fit where in there?" Yeah, this is a lot harder than the wide yeah. receivers. So, let's start with. I guess we'll start with who's going to finish in the one to ten spot of all of those guys.
2: Yes. <laughs> I know one that's one not of the right. hardest one. So, I mean, well,
0: Rich, I think uh, it'll make it easier. Yeah, I, refs, I mean, start what here and
2: then work our way.
0: Do you we'll want to start right. backwards and work forward? This nah, is a nah, fluid nah, process. Nah, I mean, we're not we'll start, setting stone We'll start at the
1: top. Let's we'll start at here. the
0: top. And again, like we talked about, if you if we you want to make an this. argument that this is nonsense for whatever reason, we can we can make that argument. So, again, if we're talking about, like, because we have Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Leonard Fournette, James Conner, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, all those guys were, you know, top 10, top 20 receiver for top 20 running back for Derrick Henry because of the injury, but... If we're saying six guys are going to fall out, who's six guys that we're going to move in there in their right. place is kind of an
2: interesting discussion we can sort of have. So, so before I call both, bull- let's go through the exercise. And let's see what it looks like when we lay all these guys out, yeah. and then we'll see. Okay. Right.
0: So, if you had to pick one guy from this group who's going to finish as a top ten running back on a per game basis, and then as a uh, and then. Also, top 50 on a total points basis. Who I
2: feel the best about? Yeah. Henry. Derek Henry. Agreed. Henry or Fournette, to be honest?
1: Yeah. What about you, Ry? <laughs> he doesn't even know the answer to his own questions. Tough, it's tough. It man. is tough. No, it's really
0: uh, yeah, I wanted this to be something we thought about and discussed on it, the thing. So I didn't. I, I don't. I don't always do all the exercises before I. I, I bring him on the show. leaving
2: out Eckler. Like it's it's yeah. not like we're
0: just like it's easy picking. Yeah, those yeah, were the two guys,
2: I mean,
1: guys that. For I now, mean, it's not yeah. easy.
0: Those were the two guys I was leaning into were Eckler and Cook, and I mean,
1: it, you know, it always could be that this is a good year for older running backs. So but. Could like, it could be like very well could be like twenty seven.
0: We see a few guys in there. I'm yeah. gonna go with Austin. Eckler is my guy finishing in in the one to ten. With the thought process being is that he's not typically used as a rusher in the running game. He's used a lot in the passing game. That's where a lot of his value comes from. For sure,
1: and he shouldn't be getting his beat up.
0: Like, and as far as the offenses go, if you ask me, which offense do I think is going to be, you know, like the highest scoring between Minnesota, Tennessee, and the Los Angeles Chargers? I'm gonna go with the Los Angeles
1: Chargers. Right. So I think there's more I a good to go around for him there. So yeah. when well, you bring it down to like a points per game basis, I just think it's gonna be Henry based on that. Based off of
0: his work, I'm just yeah. nervous with the injuries catching up to him at his age. Man, he's going to be 29 before the season is over, and he he just banged up, you know. So, I mean, we told ourselves CMC was invincible until CMC was invincible for the past two years, and people ignored it last year, and it cost them. So, uh, but that being said, 11 to 20, who are the next two guys there? I imagine the two guys that you had mentioned that you were thinking about, 1 to 10, Um, with Eckler and Cook, or? For me, it's going to be um, Eckler and Fournette. Eckler and Fournette. Okay. What about your Mike Who are the two guys that you would think? And again, if you want to argue at any point, or, or uh, Rich said we're going to go through this and then we'll uh, at the end we'll decide whether this is nonsense yeah. or what we want to adjust.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I, I would definitely slide Eckler in there as like a. I, I, I really do believe we'll finish in the top 20 this year for sure. Um, and then after that, I guess it, it's kind of tough, but. Um, I guess I'll go Cook. I would probably go Cook here. But, I mean, I think it's really a toss-up, you know, between him and Fournette. I mean, honestly, like, it's so hard to say with, you know, I think Kamara could still be good, um, but with his uh, legal battle going on or whatever it is, I See about the suspension. I don't – yeah, his suspension, potential suspension. I'm iffy to put him up there, you know, so um, – yeah, that's I, the, and my reason for Kamara is very similar to what rises is about Eckler in that he should be a running back of the age as well. He doesn't seem like he's been too banged up throughout his career. I don't believe, um, and I think his skill set translates better into an older age. Uh, he seems like he's a pretty smart player. Uh, like his, you know, his the way he plays the game seems like pretty intelligent. So. Um, yeah, that's how, I mean, I would, I would like to say I would, I would want to see Kamara finish in the top 20, but uh, suspension looming out, means huh? me, yeah, makes me go a little lower on him. Okay, so my two
0: guys, I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry finishing 11 to 20. Again, like you said, I just think even if Derrick Henry gets hurt, if he, if he plays half the season with how much volume he potentially gets in that half the season, he could still finish, you know, aside as on a total points basis inside the top twenty-five or whatever, you, despite you know only playing half the season, just have a lot of points in the eight eight or nine games that he's available. Um, you know, th- again, that's worst case scenario. It's also hedging the bets that he potentially plays the full season and could be in the one to two, uh, ten range. Uh, so then let's move on to the twenty-one to thirty range where we'd have two and a half. So let's call it three guys that we're gonna throw in twenty-one to thirty. A, anybody want to start or, you know, I, uh, I, I'd be willing you to start. in here? 21 to
1: 30? Three.
0: Three? I'm definitely putting... Or you could put two. Yeah. So between 21 and 30 and 31 and 40, we need four guys total. So you can put three in here or do two and two. So it's either three and one or two and two, however you want to break that uh, up.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to go through, I'm kind of like ranking. I'm kind of just... I, I know what we're doing, but I'm going to kind of put them in just a one through ten order. Um, I guess I'm having Fournette as the next guy up for me. Um, And then probably Aaron Jones after that. And then, man, this is tough. I mean, I think at this point you're splitting hairs between Zeke, Connor, and Kamara. Um, for like now I'm feeling comfortable if putting Kamara down this far put, putting him up there so I'll, I'll, I would say maybe I would throw Kamara in there and then so were, the, yeah.
0: hang on, so were those three guys in 21 to 30 that you did or what I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah I would say 21 to 30 there mm. okay yeah and just recap all three of those guys real quickly for me uh, yeah it would be Fournette and then Aaron Jones and Kamara okay
2: Rich, what are you looking like in that I, area? I put three in 21-30. to 30. I have Cook, Elliott, and Aaron Jones. Cook, Elliott, and Aaron Jones. Okay.
0: Uh, I had Aaron Jones, so that's uh, somebody all three of us have in there. I also have Alvin Kamara and James Conner. Uh, I'm concerned about Alvin Kamara for a number of reasons. Again, no Drew Brees, no Sean Payton. Last year, the wide receiving took a step back, which was surprising because there was no Michael Thomas and no other real pass catchers there. So I'm just a... What we like about Jameis Winston is how he throws the ball down the field and like how he'll, he's willing to chuck it all over. And I don't know if he's going to check down a lot to you know, um, Alvin Kamara, especially now, like you said, they dra- they've drafted Chris Olave, they added Jarvis Landry, and there's potential that Mike Thomas is back on the team. And just like with those three guys there, is Jameis Winston really going to take the check down option or is he going to look to sling it to one of those guys? and Again, it was. it's just, if you want to base Alvin Kamara's production on the fact that like he always was a heavy pass catcher, it's like, but that was when Sean Payton and Drew Bees were there and the first year without them. Right. It fell off, and now there's even more competition for targets. So I'm concerned about Kamara in addition to the suspension that he could potentially face. Right. Um, all right, so that's those three guys. So it sounds like we're all going to have one guy here in this 31 to 40 range. Yeah. Is that what we're looking at? Yes, I have uh, Kamara. Kamara, that's where you have Alvin yes. Kamara. Okay.
1: Add Zeke in there. Or sorry, that Zeke Zeke's my number seven guy. No, no, uh, it's hard to say. I think that it, it's weird because like we're looking at all the numbers and all the numbers say, some of these, a lot of these guys, even though they look like they're going to be good, they're probably not going to be that good. Like their their point finish probably won't be, their their total finish probably won't be that good, which is kind of wild when you look at the names on this list because. Right. you – I mean, at, at a point, these were the top ten running backs in the league. Like, you know. <laughs> it's very difficult. It's it's tough, yeah. It's tough when you get into these old 'cause because it's really, it's like picking those guys late in the draft. It's dart throws on who's going to stay healthy, what team is going to, you know, break out to have a high-powered offense, like who's going to be in the right game scripts for these players to get a lot of touches at that, you know, where, where the teams need to lean on them. <laughs> it's almost impossible to predict.
0: And that's the thing, too. A lot of these guys, aren't. they're not going late in the draft. Like Kareem Hunt is, pro- and Melvin Gordon are probably going the latest in the draft, but all the other guys are going probably within mm-hmm. the first three rounds of the draft. So yeah. uh, that's just the surprising part, I or the the crazy part is that, you know, we're, we're picking those guys, and this is part of that thing that makes RB a landmine is that History says that a lot of these guys probably aren't going to hit. Maybe some of them do. Maybe some of them don't. Um, I have Kareem Hunt as my guy in the 31 to 40 range. I just think the pass-catching volume that will be available to him. Again, just Nick Chubb isn't much of a pass-catcher. They don't use him in that role. So, like again, if he's just going to get five – five, six catches a game for, you know, so many yards and occasionally get a touchdown. He'll have some flex appeal value, and then in games where Nick Chubb isn't available, we've seen him take over and be the leading rusher, and they do use him at the goal line some, so it's not like it's completely Nick Chubb at the goal line, so he does still have some touchdown equity, and... I just, I think they might have to throw more than they like this season, especially if Deshaun Watson's going to miss the start. And I know we don't feel confident about Jacoby Recep, which is why I think maybe some ch- a lot of ch- extra check downs to Kareem Hunt during the first part of the season when mm-hmm. if Deshaun Watson isn't available. And again, that's all speculative. That's, so that's what we do here, though.
1: Yeah, that's, my, yeah. that's, my,
0: that's my logic for Kareem Hunt.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So that leaves us with three uh, people
1: for 41 to 50. I got the bottom here, James Connor. I missed a Melvin Gordon and, and Hunt, but... You have Gordon, Connor, and Hunt? Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Make that easy. Yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple.
0: I have uh, Zico Elliott, Melvin Gordon, and Leonard Fournette in the last tier, so I'm obviously a lot lower Leonard Fournette than everybody else. I just... I, I don't... <laughs> I don't. I don't know that he's getting seventy-five. Yeah, Lenny. I don't know that he's getting seventy-five, uh, yeah. he's getting 75 catches again like he did last year. It's hot he's down there kinda, right now. This time of year, he's kind of heavy, and I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm just. I don't know. I don't. Uh, for, something, for something about him just doesn't inspire confidence. To me, I can't really explain it. It, wasn't, it was even before the weight thing. I just kind of felt like he wasn't going to get the catches that he got last year. Maybe his production takes a step back. I don't – maybe the production of that whole offense takes a step back. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm a little lower on him than I should be. And, again, that's one of those things where if we were changing some about the exercise, he's probably the one that I'm looking at. It's like I probably need to move him up more than I'm looking at anybody else. Like I think I need to move them up a lot more. Um, but so, Rich, what, how do you feel now that we're done the exercise? Or are we – are we calling BS on this, or w- let's?
2: I don't know if I'm calling BS. I, f- I feel like it's it, it, it could possibly happen. I, I don't know. I still so, think we're in store for something like 2017. Yeah. Some of these guys just have too much upside. I mean, healthy too. You to take into account some of these guys could get injured. Let's work yeah. through the other yeah. side of it then, where. If we're
0: saying you know only X amount of guys who are 27 year old are going to finish inside the top 10, look, it's, let's let's work through who the younger guys are that are going to finish inside the top right. 10. Uh, top 10
2: upside. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So
0: let's start with the guys that were just like you know this is top 10 and we'll kind of lock them in. You know, was, again, let's assume for everybody just health and they'll, they'll be playing the season. The same thing with the older guys. I know we talked about it a little bit when we went through it that we we're concerned about maybe some injuries for some guys, but uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yes Okay, so one Yeah DeAndre Swift Okay Yeah We're good with that So two Najee Harris Sure Three Joe Mixon Sure Four CMC Sure Alright, so those are five guys who are under 27 that we can say locked in, let's put them in there Let's uh, talk about the, speculative guys, right? Huh? Yeah, let's talk about some of the speculative guys and see kind of where we, where like how this would work out. So let's go, Javante Williams. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, yeah. Let's not mark him in there, but let's see. Let's just kind of see how we fill so, Put him on the side. Put him on the side and then kind of rank them. Like who do you feel best about as we go along? So, uh, Cam Akers. Less down. optimistic about him than Tra- than Javante Williams. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a lot less optimistic, yeah.
1: unfortunately. Okay,
0: uh, so uh, let's try. I'm trying to find. Two I want to see that So seat. how about so let's Antonio Gibson, David Montgomery, Travis Etienne. Which guy do you feel best about of those three, or closest to Javante Williams? I guess I would say. So run them through me again. I... David Montgomery. Okay. Antonio Gibson.
2: Travis Etienne. <sighs> that's that's tough. Uh, I like Etienne. I think he's got top 10 upside Travis Etienne. Okay.
0: All right, so because I mean all the the other guys I didn't mention, J.K. Dobbins, Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, I imagine you're taking Travis Etienne over those guys as well.
2: Yeah, I think so. So
0: we're going with Travis Etienne next. Okay, so Etienne's off the board. So we've got Javante Williams is who we feel best about of that group, I would say, and then Travis Etienne is the next guy we feel best about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for now. We're probably forgetting somebody. Okay. So, again, the other guys we've got listed, we've got Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> Any of those guys inspiring a whole lot of confidence? I mean,
2: so do those like the profile of Brees Hall being a guy who can be a three-down guy. And do do the jet, do you trust the Jets?
0: Does Antonio Gibson and David Montgomery, do those guys inspire more confidence than the three guys I just mentioned, either one of them, David Montgomery and Antonio Gibson? I, I think David Montgomery. David Montgomery? Yeah, I think you could put him up there what about antonio gibson i feel like he has to be in the conversation even i know they drafted Brian Robinson and all that but uh as far as redraft goes and uh, i don't know how do you feel uh, so again just he comparing
2: handed him the ball now. comparing I mean, him to the other guys Wonders for Carson, for for jonathan taylor last year handed him the ball
0: uh, yeah, but he also supposedly checks out of a lot of running plays, is a story here in Philly, apparently. So, again, it's comparing him. you got your other options there. are
2: Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall. So Cam Akers, I'm a little worried about the Achilles. J.K. Dobbins, I'm a little worried about his, his knee injury and coming back. Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker are rookies. We talked about Walker earlier. I said like him for the, the later third of the season. Grace Hall, I like the profile, but I question the situation. So,
0: uh, as I, as, as kind of assume, we're down Antonio Gibson, is kind of the Gibson's guy we feel the next best guy about. In there. So, okay. So those are the four guys we would feel best about being there. Is there a chance that two of those guys would finish as a top ten? There's
2: a chance. Is There you a chance that
0: so. so we're looking at—is it possible that with Russell Wilson on the Broncos and Melvin Gordon getting older, that despite the the committee approach, that's what I was gonna it say. shifts to a sixty-five, thirty-five split? The, the
2: three of us have Gordon in the forty-one to fifty range. So, if that's were to happen, Javante Williams got to blow up, right?
0: Right. So yeah. Javante Williams, you could pencil in as a potential sixth guy in the first in the top ten. Then I guess the most likely targets, I, I, I just, Travis Etienne and Antonio Gibson, I know we'd like it to be David Montgomery, but again, I just don't think their offensive line is good enough. And I think with Doug Peterson there, with the second year Trevor Lawrence, the potential that the Jaguars' offense goes off. And conversely with Carson Wentz as the quarterback for the mm. commanders, not that their offense is going to go off, but their offense should be better than it has been previously. And there's potential that he just gets – more volume or better,
2: you know, more high volume touches. And we're forgetting Saquon. Saquon Barkley. Do you I mean, think you got to put him in the discussion at least? Yeah, it's got to be in the discussion. Um, who else? We got We're missing somebody else. I just saw too. Josh Jacobs. I mean, Josh I think Jacobs. Think he's got to change. Josh Jacobs. So these are all question marks. they yeah. We're not penciling them in. We're just adding them into the discussion. Right. So Nick Chubb. Yeah, there's always the potential for Nick Chubb despite not having
0: the pass guy. So, And he's on, he'll be under 27, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think, yeah, he is. Because yeah. I had him marked down with Joe Mixon and CMC at some point. So Nick Chubb, we'll mark Nick Chubb in there. So, All right, so between DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, CMC, and Nick Chubb, we've got six. And then we feel best about Javante Williams. So that puts us at seven players under 27 who will finish inside the top ten. Does that all sound right? You you've got a Here's confused look seventh. on your face. I have, I have
2: six. Where was the seventh? I missed somebody. So
0: it was DeAndre Swift. Right. Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Najee Harris. Yes. Joe Mixon. Yes. CMC. Yes. Javante Williams. Yes. And then Nick Chubb. Ah yeah, Mr. Chubb. That's so that's called. our seven. And then the possibility that E. T. N., David Montgomery, and Antonio Gibson, one of those guys, or possibly one of the other guys we talked about finishes S- as Quarren or Jacobs. Saquon or Jacobs, right, one of those guys finishes as the eighth guy. Elijah Mitchell is another guy we didn't mention. Elijah Mitchell, 49ers running back. Uh, there's also the possibility that one of the backups to one of the running backs we've been talking about before steps in and fills in, right? Yeah. What yeah. if Leonard Fournette falls off and Rashad White steps in? What if uh, Derek Henry falls off and Hassan Haskins steps in? What, what if Isaiah Alexander. Spiller steps in for Austin Eckler? What, what? What, yeah, uh, Madison, steps Walker. Madison steps in for Madison steps in for Cook. Walker, Walker steps in yeah. for Penny. So, yeah. so what I'm trying to get at is that we had six guys. I, I think begins can safely we have six, possibly seven guys that we comfortably say are 27 younger that we could that we would put in the top, see, running back. Yeah, in the so top we, ten running backs. So, so that leaves yeah. three spots yeah. for guys who would be. And that's again not including potential wild cards like Travis Etienne, Antonio Gibson, or one of the rookies taking over for these guys. So. I know we don't necessarily like the numbers when we look at it, but when you kind of look at it like that, it, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, with yeah, how things will kind does. of shake out. Yeah,
1: because yeah. there's way more guys under 27 that could be slotted into that, those last three spots than there are on our list of 10 guys that are over 27. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, I could see Henry and Eckler both finishing in the top 10 once we kind of break it down that way. And then after that, though, it gets, like, real dicey on who's going to finish in the top 20. Um, and a
0: lot of them is kind of due to injuries and, yeah, and things exactly, like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's just impossible to tell because, yeah, these guys have credit on the tires already, like, they're, they're losing credit on the tires already, like, it's, you know, it's, uh...
0: I guess I, it's think, tough. I think the biggest pushback for me would be not so much in the top ten, but kind of in the next area after that, where it's just with how productive these guys have been recently. I don't know that they all immediately fall back as far as that, but... I could see more than two finishing in the 11 to 20 range. I could for see three sure. to four yeah. of them yeah. in there, more than I can see three to four of them inside of the so, top oh, ten.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so. I,
0: I think maybe we're looking at four to eight guys in the – or I'm sorry, about eight guys in the uh, you know, 11 to 30 range as yeah. opposed to the five or so that yeah. we're I expecting.
1: I think you could see more in that area. Yeah, sure. and I think, you know um, – like, you, you know, this list, obviously, another year will go by and there will be more guys that are potentially all over 27 and you'll have the same conundrum. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I I do think, like Rich was saying, like, this could be a year where there's some older backs making making waves in the, in the league this year or fantasy-wise. Um, the
0: uh, the guys who will be 27 or older next year that we need to be concerned about will be CMC, Joe Mixon, and okay. sure. uh, Chubb.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that's – yeah, if you add those guys in and, and say you knock off a couple of these guys, like – is they have they get hurt or they have down seasons and they're pretty much you know you're, you're sending them off to the mm-hmm. the farm so, so
0: this is where I, th- yeah. I think we're at this weird point where like the NFL is literally got, like the main RBs in the NFL are getting ready to transition from the guys who are there to the rookies who are coming in this year and next year essentially and there's going to be some good rookie running backs coming in next I year I can't wait for next year's class you, you've seen it right, and it's almost like perfect timing where this good class of rookie running backs is coming up yep. right as all these uh, guys are Asian hitting L, their cliff age and the next day <laughs> the
2: next so the studs are coming in. The brick goes up. <laughs> So for
0: redraft this league this year, what I would say would be, my goal would be to grab the handcuff for whichever one of these running backs I'm taking yeah, in the first or rounds. If you're, you're going to take rounds. the chance
2: and get one of these dudes, you better get the handcuff. Yeah.
0: If you if you can't get Taylor Swift or Harris or Mixon like early on, and you're looking, and even CMC makes me nervous. If you look at one of these other guys at the back end of the first round or in the second round, because you went wide receiver. Look to grab their handcuff later on, even if you have to pay an extra round or two premium on getting it because there's a chance that Probably they don't play the it. whole season. Yeah. In. And potentially keep that in mind when you're deciding who you're picking earlier on because Derek, maybe Hassan Haskins doesn't have as much value as a running back behind Derrick Henry like we know Alexander Madison has behind Dalvin Cook. We've seen Alexander Madison step in and produce at the same level as Dalvin Cook. We haven't necessarily seen another Titans running back do it like Derrick Henry has. As a whole from the running back group, they got similar production and stayed relevant as an offense, but we didn't see a single guy step in and fill what Henry's role yeah, was. I, mean, and it's like, so I don't think it would be something shoes, you'd expect.
1: Yeah, the shoes are too big to fill.
0: CMC is another example where it's like, yeah, you could take him earlier on, but if he gets hurt, who's the... who's the You want Chuba Hubbard as your you backup? back? you still Foreman. have, him on
2: your team? Still have it's Dante Foreman now.
0: Okay. They him I, right. Right. I don't know necessarily that I feel Deontay Foreman is going to no, replicate no. enough of CMC's I production.
2: But he was he a was Solid last I'm year just saying it's, it's something Derek to consider. Henry. Where if, yeah. like
0: you're looking at CMC versus Alvin Kamara in the back half of the first or first round. That's something you might oh, want to consider for sure. whether or not you're going to be there's a I'm handcuff saying, you don't, want where you have to oh grab God, him.
2: Uh, Dante Foreman. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then as far as dynasty goes, I think it's one of those things where you start looking at the running backs who are coming out of next year's class and. You know, be prepared to move on from some of the running backs that you have now. If you can possibly grab, like I said, grab their handcuffs. Same thing you do in a redraft league. Look to trade for the handcuffs if you've already, you know, I'm most dynasties have done their draft at this point in the seasons. But if you're still drafting and you're deciding now factor in that age more, look at, you know, again, the guys we talked about, Swift, Taylor, Harris, uh, Mixon's a little older, but those are the, those would be the top three running backs to be looking at, and then Javante Williams I think then launches into that next, like, he'd be the next guy after those three I'd be looking at, because even though Melvin Gordon, again, Melvin Gordon's 29, he'll be 30 I think by the end of the season, well, not by the end of the season, but he'll be 30 next year, so I don't know how much use he'll have next year so Javante Williams, you have to look long term too, so that's the other thing too, is that these guys that we're talking about, like, Zeke's already looks like he's on the downline. Leonard Fournette came in at 260 pounds. Alvin Kamara's receiving was down last year. It's just... It you can see them slowly starting to age out, and just with running backs, the cliff comes and it, it comes quick, and it, it just it happens. It's not a, it's not a slow progression over the season where they slowly get less productive. They just six games in the season, you're like, what is this? What did I drink? Yeah,
2: no, it's called the running back cliff for a reason. They don't call it the running back slope. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a cliff.
0: Yep, yeah, it's a cliff. Yeah. So. so. Yeah, and I think that's good because, yeah, with wide receivers, is a little bit more of a slope. Yeah.
1: running backs is a cliff. It's a cliff. You fall off it, and then you're done.
0: And it's a much earlier cliff with that. So
1: Speaking of running backs, I just uh, wanted to ask you guys a question real quick about uh, redraft stuff. Um, Joe Mixon at uh, RBA ADP redraft, how do we feel about him? Do we think he overperforms that, performs right at eight, or comes in lower than that? I think it's about right. It is about right. Yeah.
2: Maybe you get six or seven, eight, right in that range. Yeah, I like him.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think this is. Uh, I mean, you know, <clears throat> every year is mix and breakout season, but
0: it might be a little high for him. But I would say that I, I probably have him eight to ten. That's why I say it's probably yeah. on the higher end of where I would project him right. to finish. But yeah, that's. The... I,
1: I'm, I'm feeling good about Joe Mixon this year. Honestly, I think, uh, I think he yeah, I think he's in the top five. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm not saying he's gonna finish number one by any means, uh, but I think he can finish in the top five. Um, I feel I would feel pretty comfortable taking him at number eight, or, you know... You yeah, know, I'm comfortable with I, my RB1. I think he might fall further than eight in, in my redraft leg like, just because of yeah, the people like, I play with. Yeah, I think he probably people to. Play with, but. Yeah for redraft purposes like a lot of times. Um, yeah. I'm
0: almost positive that in the redraft we're in that we're going to see all these other guys we're talking about go Joe before Earl, Joe Mixon. We're going to
1: see Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. CMC, yeah. and all those guys,
0: Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, all go before, before Joe do Mixon. It's really like, I've sure. got no problem taking oh, Joe there, Mixon man. with the last
2: pick yeah. in the first round. It ain't
1: affecting my board at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, <laughs> the Bengals short up their offensive line uh, a lot this offseason, I believe. They added some pieces. So I think that is where my – Faith in mixing comes from not more that he's gonna show more any more talent than he already has. I think we've seen what he is, Um, but I think just by adding more, you know, now he's on like a high powered offense, better quality opportunities, yeah, more, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, better offensive line just should result in better play. Um, It's probably baked into his ADP at this point already, but I think that, you know, probably I think I think a top five finish would be. I mean, obviously, it would be spectacular for him, and I don't know. Th- you know, he does that. He, okay. I think, he would possibly have that this year, and then maybe that's his his peak of ever.
0: And know. again, now that I'm sitting here, and the more I think about it, it's just like how many running backs am I honestly going to put before him now that I'm thinking about, it, and we just went through this exercise. Uh, you know, Taylor and Harris definitely. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I've got Swift on my dynasty team. I'm big on Swift. I'm, I'm not ready to say. I'm to say. not ready to say that he's going to finish above Joe Mixon this year, and, and that he didn't let. La- he didn't last year technically because of the whole year. Again, through week eleven, he was number three running back overall. Right. But I mean, it's it's entirely pot. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I'm on board with Joe Mixon being in the top five. Yeah, as far as running back, so
1: yeah, maybe not a lot of points per game basis, but total points. You
0: know. Yeah, and again, the points per game could get thrown off by CMC and Henry right. playing half the season. Exactly. All of that.
1: Yeah. So because I I it, When I think about, like, kind of my dynasty strategy, like, um, and, like, targeting for me personally somebody that has, like, depth pieces to move and looking to tier up into a higher RB, like, targeting somebody like Derrick Henry is, like, actually seems like it might not be a bad strategy because even if I only were to get eight games out of them, like, that could position me to be in a good spot, you know, for... Eight monster games. Yeah, eight monster games and eight dubs, like, that, you know... You might not have him at the end of the season, but he might get you to that playoff push. And at that point, we all know it's just and a total. It can happen in a playoff. It's a casino. Once okay. it gets. And again, there. it's different when you have wide, young wide
0: receiver depth and some extra picks that you can trade in order to right. get him, as opposed to you know, and you're not like you're not drafting him because you need him to be a starting running back for you, every on a weekly yeah. basis. You know what I mean? He's he's as crazy it seems. He's like the cherry on top of the mm-hmm. cake. He's a very big cherry on top of a mm-hmm. small cake, but. He, uh you add him, and it's just like yes. The eight weeks I have him, my team's going to be absolutely unstoppable. In the eight weeks without him, things will be closer. But I still have a very good and competitive team where I'm not worried about you know my next two RBs. Yeah. That's where your team would be at. But again, unless you have two solid RBs on your team already and the capital to acquire him, which you know in leagues where. Everybody's paying attention and values things appropriately. You, you probably shouldn't have two, you know, top fifteen RBs, and then enough capital to acquire Derrick Henry without hurting yourself. But that's just how our league early... I
2: mean, guys nail drafts. You know, you never know. Yeah, you nail the draft, and
1: yeah, yeah it's definitely uh, next year. We'll be interesting with the draft, with the way draft capital shakes out. You know, a lot of people have been targeting twenty twenty three picks. You know, people that have been in that have been paying attention for a long time, that are perpetual rebuilders for sure have been targeting 2023. And I think where I'm at is if I had one of these guys on a team and I
0: wasn't, like, I didn't have a necessarily strong team, so I was either rebuilding or, like, I needed to get more, I, I essentially I needed to be more competitive and, like, try not to finish last if that's the thing. If, you know, if there's a punishment in your league for finishing last, like there in ours and things like that, or... I I might trade one of these running backs to somebody who's overvaluing them at the moment and just doesn't see that drop-off coming, and I might take, you know, like somebody who would be considered a a flex-wide receiver plus another wide receiver maybe that somebody considers a little lower, but that I think could be breaking out. Like, guys that people are low on this year, like uh, Brandon Cooks and Michael Pittman, who I know people are lower on. Like, if you know, I might trade Derrick Henry to acquire those two guys. Like, yeah, I lost Derrick Henry, but I think on a weekly basis, having Pittman and Cooks both play will get me more points each game than I was, even though it's a you know, two point, And then if Derrick Henry misses time, I don't have to worry about that. Right. With the and
1: Indians. you're going to get more
0: longevity regardless. Out of, of those, those guys, guys. with yeah. Michael Pittman there. Yeah. But that, it's just an example because, you know, Brandon Cooks is just always underrated. I, uh, Michael Pittman, depending on who the person is, it's hit or miss. Some people really already on Michael Pittman. Other people are like, I'm not. Right. So... That's just those were just an example of like two guys you could grab where it's like you're grabbing two guys that you could probably plug in as starters on a weekly basis for Derrick Henry and you know, if you're worried about Henry falling off, which you know, you, you probably should be. Should be. Yeah. Especially be. just with that offense as a whole. Without A. J. Brown there, like what are you afraid of? Are people honestly afraid of Robert Woods, 29, coming off of an ACL tear? Or, you know, Traylon Burks, who has asthma and hasn't been able to finish a practice? Is that <laughs> He's
1: your favorite player ever. Everybody's scared of him.
0: <laughs> Nick Westbrook of Kine, Is that, you know, like, what, what's striking a fear in you that you're not loading the box to get Derrick Henry? You know what I Kyle mean? Kyle Phillips. Kyle Phillips, okay. <laughs> We are probably going to be wrapping everything up. When we come back, we are going to be evaluating rosters on a fantasy value basis. So we're going to go through, and we're kind of going to rank each position on the team or each player on the team one to five, with you know five being a lineup block, start this guy every week without thinking about it, to one, you know do not draft, don't even stash this guy on your bench, he's not worth it. That's kind of the lens we'll look through. So yeah, we'll evaluate the each position on the fantasy roster like that, talk about if it's possible, you know, we'll do it based off how ESPN has the depth charts projected at the moment, but that'll even be something we discuss as we go through. Do we necessarily agree with the depth chart? Do we honestly believe the guy who's, you know, wide receiver three or four is going to be that? Or is he kind of like for the Packers, for example, where they've got Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and who's the other Randall listed as their starters and it's like we're pretty sure Christian Watson and probably even another rookie will end up being in the starting rotation or maybe Omari Rogers will end up in that starting rotation possibly again these are all just things we can discuss whether or not we even agree with the order of the depth chart and of course with training camps happening and picking up uh, you know by the time that we record our next one, training camps so will, everybody will have reported to training camps, so we'll get kind of an idea how things are shaking out a little bit, so we'll have more information to do it. But we'll go through team by team, look at each position, the depth on the position, give them a ranking on fantasy value, and then at the end, kind of look and see which team is the most valuable, and then. When all that's done, we'll probably be just on the edge of the start of the season. So we'll go through and we'll give our final rankings for everything for you know, for redraft and then possibly dynasty as well. It's only off chance you're starting a dynasty league in you know early September, and then we'll uh, discuss that and kind of you know compare it to also to you know look at how we evaluate the roster as you're going through it. And now that it's the start of the season and we know how everything shakes out, how do we feel about it differently then? So. Other than that, uh, until next time, I'm Ryan McNichols. Rich out. Bye, Coyle. Later. See ya.